0: Hello dear listeners and welcome to the second season of Extra Extra It's All About Whiskey. I remain your devoted Mm. whiskey wizard and I am joined and I must admit it is my pleasure to be joined with the one and only whiskey cherub Joshua Hatton. Welcome to 2021 Joshua.
1: Thank you. You are welcome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you told me, Jason, you told me that 2021 would be better than 2020. And, and I'm not going to lie, so far we're not off on, on the right foot, but I, I have faith that, that it will be better than 2020. And There's so, to, to, so much to be said in response to that, <laughs> but I'm not going to say any of it. Carry on. Today's article gives me a little hope for a, nice, a nicer 2021. As you bring up
0: the subject of today's article, just a reminder that in extra, extra, Joshua or I, whoever's turn it is, will bring an article on the Whiskey News to the attention of the other. We'll spend the first half of the episode reading through it, sometimes editorialising. Then we spend the second half of the episode riffing and chitting and chatting and going back and forth on the contents of the article and we try to get out of here in a tight 30 or a tight 35 there were those when we closed out season one with a double episode there were those who said i knew they couldn't stick to a tight 30 or 35 and i am here to say to those doubters those haters wow today we are back with a tight 30 slash tight 35 guess who's back yeah. So tell us, tell us the, your title. Tell us your
1: author, and then we'll get into this article. Before I tell you the title and author, what I will have to say about this article is you can you can have two different approaches to the subject matter, and depending on your approach, that will affect both the headline and the body of the article. Right. Because what we're about to read, there's a there's a bit of opinion going on here and I'll read it. And then, you know, of course, in the second half, we'll 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 inject our own opinions in here. But I'm going to read the article as it is. And so the headline is titled The Incredible Shrinking Liquor Bottle.
0: Interesting. I have not seen this article. So this is. All fresh. Whenever it's your turn to bring an article, I do try and avoid the news, the whiskey news for a couple of days. Ah, So this is ideal. I have no idea what you're about to read to us.
1: So it's by Wayne Curtis, and this was in The Daily Beast and the subheadline or the subheader. Is that what they call it? The subheader? Reads, uh, distillers in the U.S. can now use this smaller 700 ml bottle that is standard in most parts of the world. So what does that mean for consumers in America? So here mm-hmm. we go. The article was written on January 14. And it starts off. Did you see the birth announcement? A few weeks ago, the standard 750 milliliter liquor bottle was blessed with a little brother. The new bottle looks just like its older sibling, but is 6.667% smaller, holding 50 milliliters less. And as younger brothers sometimes do, the little scrapper may very well overtake and displace his older brothers in the coming years as 700 milliliter bottles gradually replace the those holding 750 milliliters in theory the shift to the smaller bottle will mean the price of liquor will be six percent less yay but if history is any guide the price break won't actually happen that means you'll probably be paying the same for less boo and he's not wrong there i don't think he's wrong so it continues (laughs) here's how the newcomer arrived and why the feds have regulated the size of liquor bottles since the 1930s when prohibition was repealed. The US Congress gave the agency that would become the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau (TTB) the authority to regulate bottle sizes for two key reasons: to prevent sellers from deceiving consumers by shorting them, and more critically, standard sizes make it easier to track federal taxes companies owed on liquor they sold. Regulations rolled out in 1934 and 1936 that designated a roster of imperial units that could be used to sell liquor. That included the familiar quart, pint, and fifth, The fifth being a fifth of a gallon, but also oddballs, including the 1 16th pint, that is an ounce, which was available only for brandy. The feds allowed 38 different bottle sizes. This set of measures lasted several decades until President Gerald Ford signed the Metric Conversion Act in 1975, and that made the decimal-based metric units, quote, the preferred system of weights and measures for United States trade and commerce, end quote. The TTB followed up a year later, mandating a change from imperial to metric. Producers had four years to phase out the old and bring in the new. Allowed bottle sizes were limited to six, ranging from 50 ml, which is, we call it the mini or the nip, up to 1.75 liters, also known as a handle. (laughs) Handle?
0: (laughs) Of course. Uh, Why
1: wouldn't you call it a handle? Well, because they had a handle. That's how you picked them up. You get to get a handle of it. Um, (laughs) And then in paren it says two additional metric sizes were added in later years. Ads and newspapers featured helpful metric conversion tables to ease consumers into the new and disconcertingly European era. So why was the (laughs) 700 milliliter bottle added to the metric family last month? Blame a global coalition. In this case, distillers, distributors, and exporters all pressed for allowing new sizes. It wasn't A new attempt Washington State, for instance, lobbied for the change back in 1987, arguing that restrictions on size stifled price competition. The Feds didn't agree back then. This time, those pushing anew for change argued that the United States had become an isolated island of 750 milliliter bottles amid Mm -hmm. a sea of 700 milliliter bottles, the standard size most everywhere else in the world. India uh, is one other significant milliliter island, and he doesn't list it here, but South Africa is another So those wanting to export liquor from either the U.S. to Europe or vice versa had to order two sets of bottles and calibrate their equipment for two separate bottling runs. That was nobody's idea of a frictionless trade. Yep, that's correct. (laughs) The TTB was now so receptive to the change that it actually proposed eliminating all size restrictions a couple of years ago. If a distiller wanted to bottle their devil's liquor in a 666-milliliter bottle, they'd be welcome to do so. Regulators noted that one of the original reasons for establishing set sizes to monitor liquor taxes no longer applied. Quote, Limiting standards of fill is no longer necessary to ensure accurate calculation of tax liability or to protect revenue, end quote. The TTB noted in 2019, noting that it now, quote, verifies tax liability on the basis of producers' production and removal records, end quote. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've seen those books. All right. We got a bit more to go here, but please stick with me. There's a lot of information.
0: Let me just interject yeah. for a moment. Yeah, go ahead. Can you imagine what a world with no regulated size? Like that's that's incredible to go from. Listen, you're all doing seventy fives, and then maybe you know a liter here and there, and now you can do whatever you want. Like, could you imagine designing Just as the example Wayne gives here a 666 mil bottle?
1: Like. I, I, yeah, I just, I think that would be a bit of a nightmare for retailers, right? You Can I give you... A, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Carry on with your nightmare yeah, for retailers. You, know, you, you, you base your shelves on standard bottle sizes. Now, given that, there are some unusually shaped bottles and some unusual packaging that always kind of mucks up the works, but for the most part, the vast majority have similar size bottles, similar size shape, similar size outer packaging, etc.
0: It is something, though, when you can go from a 750ml Bal Blair bottle or a Glenrothes bottle to the same 750ml Compass box bottle, yeah, right? right? <laughs> You're <laughs> occupying very different spaces on the shelves there. Yeah. No, just 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 very quickly before we jump back into the article, the the corollary for me is you and I are, are vegetarian. Invariably, we go into a restaurant. Cast your mind back to when we could go into restaurants, and as a vegetarian, you invariably have a couple of options, and you go, "Okay, I'll I'll do this one or that one." To me, that's the seventy-five or seventy mil option, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. With our friend Christopher Jew in San Francisco, I went into a Buddhist Chinese restaurant in Chinatown, mm-hmm. and in San Francisco, and sat down. And the menu had 167 or 170 items mm-hmm. on it, all <laughs> vegetarian. Yeah. And I just said to to Chris Jew, "Just order. I'll eat whatever you bring." Right. And for me, that's the hey. Pick any millimeter size, milliliter size you want for your bottle. Like no, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no. Just. Yeah. Do, do I do 75? Do I do 70? <laughs> Maybe even do I do 72? That's all I need to be concerning myself
1: with. I don't need to be creating my own menu here. Yeah, you become paralyzed by choice.
0: Exactly. Is, yeah, it's not a
1: great place to be in. And really quickly, you, you know, you mentioned a ba- Val Blair bottle or a Glenn Rothis bottle or even a Kilhoman bottle and then compare that to Compass Box and it's the difference between grenades and, and rockets, right? The two very different... Yeah. Do, do you remember when, uh, this was maybe maybe a decade
0: ago now, but Old Fetter Cairn redid their line, and Super they just tall. did even taller bottles. Yeah. Crazy, yeah. crazy yeah. world. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we got a, we got a few minutes mm-hmm. in this half
1: of the show, so I'll let you wrap up your article. Yeah. Okay, here we go. For the most part, distillers did not much care for the prospect of an anarchic world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I just want to make sure I had that right. Um, Anarchy yeah, in the USA. No, I'm, not, I'm not used to that word. Anarchy
0: in the <laughs> USA.
1: Yeah. Prospect of an anarchic world of free-range bottle sizes during the public comment period. 110 wrote in favor of eliminating size restrictions while 1141 were opposed. Quote, we were persuaded by commenters arguments that a proliferation of sizes would cause consumer confusion, differing state containment size requirements, and market disruption, end quote, said Thomas Hogue, Director of Congressional and Public Affairs at the TTB. Quote, yep. the TTB basically seems to have taken the sort of middle ground, says Jarrett um, Dieterle. Let's, let's say it's Dieterle. author of Give Me Liberty and Give Me a Drink, a guide to cocktails and, quote, outlandish, and quote, liquor laws, published last year. Give me liberty, give me a drink? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> quote, don't eliminate all size standards, but also add new options, right? And that seems to be the approach that the TTP took. Distillers who switch to 700 milliliter bottles for domestic sale will now have the option of exporting with less fuss and bother, although they will still be required to use labels that meet labeling standards for their export markets, which can vary wildly. The cost of maintaining separate bottling runs for two markets might easily be absorbed by large legacy producers but for craft producers the streamlining reduces a significant headache and lowers a barrier to export markets and then in peren there are still the new and onerous tariffs on the European Union but that's another story all right we're we're getting close here Maggie Campbell The president and head distiller of Privateer Rum in Massachusetts is in favor of the 700-milliliter bottles since Privateer has begun to explore markets overseas, and she believes the smaller bottles will prove popular with bartenders since they are marginally easier to handle. That's a very interesting point. She recommended that the craft distillers make the switch to smaller bottles as Privateer is considering, quote, When we run out of 750 mLs that we have in stock, we will likely go to only 700 mLs, she said. Will slightly smaller bottles be followed by slightly smaller price tags? It's too soon to predict, but if history is any guide, you might not want to bank on your savings just yet. Let me put this out there really quickly. As far as we're concerned, you and I have a very specific margin that we always target, and people may see a little bit of a decrease in price. That would be nice. Will the rest of the industry take that route? Likely not. Don't count on it. Just move on with your life, and it'll be old news. (laughs) Quote, you may be surprised to learn that the half-gallon has shrunk by almost 5 ounces to 1.75 leaders, end quote. The New York Times reported in 1976 when metric bottles first arrived, quote, but don't worry, there should be a similar decrease in price too, end quote. Was there? I went back and looked at the newspaper ads from the same liquor store a year apart. At Chris's liquor store in Austin, Texas, a half gallon of Jim Beam sold for $9.29 in 1977. A year later, The same store sold a smaller 1.75 liter handle of Jim Beam for (laughs) $9.27. Henry McKenna bourbon sold for $10.99 in 1977 with the price unchanged in 1978 when the bottle held nearly 8% less. Do not be distracted by the low price of half-gallon whiskey. The point is that liquor producers or liquor stores pocketed the bonus. Quote, I think it's one less dram we get per bottle that they'll charge us the same amount for, wrote a commentator recently on Reddit, no name attributed to the person. <laughs> Wait, questionable practice. But but you know what? I, I think it's good to put that in there because that one random person represents probably a large number of people, right? I I don't think it's bad to put that out there.
0: Anyway. But you could also be the author of the piece saying, (laughs) here's a position. You don't have to attribute it to somebody (laughs)
1: anonymously online. If it's any consolation, shrinking size while maintaining price is a common practice amongst food products across the board. It even has a name, shrink... This is a really weird name. Shrinkflation. And, mm-hmm. and it can affect everything from coffee, bags switching from 16 ounce to 12 ounce to laundry detergent sizes to, to tea, tea a box uh, that once contained 20 bags and will remain the same size and price but now only holds 10 bags it's a simple way to boost profits without boosting prices we have just two more bits and then, and then we're ready to go Sad, I know, but because you've endured so much over the last year, I'm saving the good news for last. The 700ml bottle size surely means more rare products from abroad that will find their way to American shelves. If a producer of scotch or a European importer of rare rums has a mere cask or two of fine spirit... It's not worth setting up dual bottling runs for two markets, but it's a different story if a 700 milliliter bottle can be as easily sold in America as in the Europe. So expect to see a broader selection of interesting spirits. You're shaking your head. No, I sort of agree with you, but I also disagree with you. Hold your thought. There's one last sentence, and then, yeah, but we're, then we're saving talk.
0: we're saving this unpacking yes, for the yes, second yes, half. Yes, 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 Give yes. us this final sentence.
1: <laughs> All this means more work for the lover of liquor. Sifting through shelves, paying attention to bottle sizes, and scouting for new additions. And it will surely be more expensive, but that's always the case with a growing family.
0: I appreciate you bringing this particular article to the attention of Extra Extra and our dear listeners. Mm-hmm. There are a number of aspects that I want to unpack here, and one that's clearly sticking out in my mind is the one that was brought up at the tail end of the article. Mm-hmm. And so if, if we could even maybe reverse this yeah. uh, in form, because I was shaking my head no, really from both personal and then professional experience. When I first saw this announcement and, and you and I were recording, was it the, the last episode of Extra Extra? Mm-hmm. When this news broke and we, we got that? Uh, yes, that, that's 100% correct, yep. Right, And and as soon as I heard it, I thought, what tremendous news. Those 70 CLs, those special releases that never come to the United States, now we're going to get to see them. This is great news. And then we carried on with our our winter vacation. We came back in the new year. We started looking over our labels uh, for the United Kingdom and Europe. Mm -hmm. And you and I quickly realized that while your bottle size might be consistent, Mm -hmm. The labeling is not correct, and there are some requirements that Europe makes for for the one that jumps to my mind right away is the the, the pregnant lady, the no pregnant ladies sticker, yeah, uh, on the back label, yeah, where you know they're not recommending one drinks this while pregnant,
1: correct, and the little recycling thing on there, too. And yeah,
0: right, So, so there are things that we need to do for our European labels that we can't simply. Do a single run and then include the United States as a market Mm -hmm. where those bottles destined for UK and Europe can now be brought in. So while, yes, 75 allowing for the 70 is good news, there are still wrinkles and it will be interesting to watch what major producers do in the face of that. The other flip of that, or let me do this. This is better said. Another side of that, though, Mm -hmm. is American producers who export overseas. And and I had this conversation over text with Michael Nolan. Will we now see American producers starting to use the 70 as their go-to size Mm -hmm. and have that be single runs? with some different labeling that then goes overseas and now once the tariffs calm down overseas mm-hmm. will we see greater exports because american producers don't have to worry about bringing in this this the 70s in addition to the 75s they might just move to 70s full time yeah. and i have no idea right now what the answer to that question is but
1: it is another side of the coin correct When we first read this story on the last episode, like you, I said, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Our lives just became that much easier because we have to worry about, uh, you know, one standardized size of dry goods and blah, blah, blah. And, And yes, I thought that labeling issues could still be a sticking point, and they will still be a sticking point. But they are a much easier obstacle to to overcome. And I can tell you there's plenty of special releases that we've missed out on here in the U.S. because of bottle sizes. I'll give you one that's very recent. The Glen came out with a 21-year-old cask strength, you know, 21 years in sherry casks. And it sold out in, you know, less than two seconds outside the U.S., um, and it got all sorts of awards and blah, blah, blah. And being with the importer of the Glenallochie, you can imagine how many people reached out to us and said, <laughs> where is it? When can we get it? The fact mm-hmm. of the matter is Glenallochie didn't have enough 750 milliliter bottles to do any for the U.S. So they just put it all in 700 and, and uh, yep. you know, Bob's your uncle they most certainly would have created American, you know, U.S.-specific labels, put them in 750s if they could, or if if at that time we in the U.S. could accept 700-milliliter bottles, all they would have to worry about are the labels. So it is a possibility that we will get more special editions. I wouldn't necessarily assume that we will share single casks with the rest of the world because you know UK Europe can all use a similar labeling system with no issue. But here in the US, that is still quite different. So I think the next step for the TTB, if if we're looking to make an even playing field for everyone, is creating a, a global standard for labels and, and labelling issues.
0: Yeah, that gosh, that would be a thing to see. Having said that, you've just had the UK leave Europe because it was tired of being told what to do by a centralised bureaucracy. And here we are saying, well, maybe we'll get to global labelling. Just think how many, uh, you know, like, like the author in our piece, think how many are in search of liberty. And uh, having your own
1: label is important when it comes to liberty. I would say... The UK left because of racism, but that's another story. Continue.
0: <laughs> there's there's some unpacking to be done there. One one of the things that that I've been seeing from friends of ours, whiskey geeks, mm-hmm. just like us, asking that question: How many producers do you think will move to having seventy CL globally, and how many do you think will hold on to? 75 CL in the United States. How many will use it as a point of difference? To so just as Wayne is suggesting mm-hmm. here, you might go down 5 CL. You're probably not going to go down in price. Do you, th- do you foresee producers sticking with the 75 CL and saying, look, we're still bringing you more whiskey. We're still 5 CL up
1: on our competitors. I see producers outside of the U.S gradually, over maybe a period of around two years, switching to exclusively 700 milliliter bottles almost exclusively, right? Again, they have to service South Africa and India and, and any other market that that goes with the the 75 CL or the 750. But I, I see Scotland and other and, and European countries making the switch as far as the U.S goes. I think that could take a, a little bit longer. First we would need to see the tariffs on US products go away in Europe. And and then that would encourage US producers to start selling into Europe again. And and that may be the, you know, the slow push down the hill they need to make the switch, but you've got a lot of American drinkers, bourbon drinkers, Who are going to be pissed off if their bottle, you know, if their bottle of Henry McKenna goes from 750 to to 700, they're going to be upset. So it's going to be interesting watching American producers, but I think producers outside the US are going to make that switch.
0: And that's where I'll be watching closely to see how much does making a point of difference matter. And how much does streamlining your dry goods matter? Mm. Because I could see in the early running as, and I think it will come down to, whose 75 CL stocks are dwindling and who only wants to renew an order for 70 CLs. Mm. That's what goes to your warehouse. That's what sticks there. But say you're a, a massive global producer who just ordered... 100,000, 250,000, 75 CL bottles, right? And you need to go through that. You're going to polish that turd, and you're going to be busy telling your consumer, mm-hmm. hey, we got your back here. We are yeah. still 75 yeah. CL, yeah. knowing that as they work their way through that 75 CL mountain, by the time it's done, they'll be making the switch over to
1: 70 CL as well. mm mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. Because we know that dry goods are king. Dry goods are king. There's there's no doubt about it. And my what I'm about to say may be an unpopular statement with some people, but I'm personally looking forward to a standardization of 700 ml for spirits, period. I like seeing our world becoming a global community. I like the idea of the U.S., not being so solitary and maybe joining the rest of the community. And granted, a bottle size—what's that going to do to to join the rest of the community? It's one thing, right? And it does include trade, and, and and I like that. And are we gonna get a little less liquid in our bottle? Yeah, we're gonna get a little less. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm, fussed. I'm gonna I'm gonna come I'm back to,
0: to that aspect in in just a second. Make be, it quick because of because of Mr. Curtis bringing that up. But is India exclusively a 75 CL market or are they a bit like Canada where they'll allow 75 and 70?
1: It's a good question. I did some research ahead of time and saw that, and now this was from 2014, I saw that India had three standard sizes, 180 milliliters 375 and 750 what i don't know is if india can import 700 ml but only produce 750 ml that that unfortunately i couldn't find and to be honest i would imagine that's the case seeing how huge uh, a market india is for scotch whiskey I, i i want to assume that's the case but i i cannot say for certain
0: yeah, I don't know. As we always have with our listeners, if if you know more than we do on this particular topic, please write in. Please put a note on the One Nation Under Whiskey Facebook page, as many of you have done previously. It would be good to to good to know from those who know India and know that market. As you can tell, it's not a market we're in. <laughs> so, uh, but but I wanted to come back to what Wayne Curtis is talking about in the article here about about you're going to get less whiskey, but you're going to pay the same price. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those interesting positions that we hear so often when, when someone is representing the consumer is, there's often a concern that the wool is being pulled over the consumer's eyes. Mm. There's something nefarious afoot here. Mm -hmm. And and I'd be willing to argue that if your costs increase year over year, but in that year your bottle size decreases, I could see a reason for why your whiskey is the same price the year after a bottle change. Mm As it was the year before the bottle change, right? A good so, point. Yep. right. So, so we know there's economics at play here. Nothing is constant, and one of the things we just had now that we are in our tenth anniversary year. Mm-hmm. Mazel, Joshua. Mazel, Mazel to the Tizzle. Appreciated. We are, you know, we did our state of the nation uh, email at the start of January here when we said, oh, here's a Kilholman four-year-old that we released and here's an Aaron 12 that we released. And the Kilholman was $95 for the bottle. The Aaron 12 was 110 mm-hmm. Over the course of 10 years, our prices haven't changed. No. We, you know, Maybe as much as they should have, right? You and I have always fought, thankfully it's our company, we have fought to keep our pricing consistent year upon year upon year upon Mm -hmm. year, Mm -hmm. finding a way to keep putting money back into the pocket of our nation members. Mm -hmm. And as we make a move from 75 to 70, our pricing won't necessarily go down But it might give us a reason to not have to put our pricing
1: up. Uh, Exactly. And and the last thing that I will say to that is you and I recently went through our pricing matrix to see how our costs would be affected, switching from a 75 CL bottle to a 70 CL, or for, for today, we'll call it 750 and 700. And the final case cost, you know, the the final, our total cost and the final price and the difference between 75 and 70s was nominal. It was less than that 6.667%, because you have to include the cost of the glass remains the same. The cost of the labels remain the same. The cost of the, the capsules and the corks and the labor all remain the same. So in the end, that 6.667 becomes more like 2.5%, 3%. And then you put it into transportation, importing, distribution, federal taxes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. At the end of the day... Maybe people would be saving 75 cents. <laughs> Maybe they'd be saving five bucks. Like it's not, it's nominal. It, it really is, at the end of the day, pretty nominal. And let me just add this while I appreciate uh, Wayne Curtis's approach here, he's not including everything else that's involved in whiskey. And when it comes to whiskey, that's the easy part. The whiskey's the easy part. It's the getting it bottled, it's the buying the glass. It's the getting it shipped to the. US, et cetera. That's where your real costs lie. Yeah, agreed. I
0: absolutely agreed. and that's why I often worry with that tone that seems to suggest the industry is pulling the wool over the mm-hmm. eyes of the consumer. Mm-hmm. because I in my experience, that's not the case. We might be dealing with it with the tariffs, these 25 percent leaps. Who's trying to protect consumers? Who's pushing it right onto consumers? Who didn't actually pay tariffs, but started selling bottles as if they did pay tariffs, mm-hmm. right? I understand some of that is in existence. Generally speaking, I think the industry is, is pretty
1: straightforward and pretty transparent. But the last thing I'll say about this I'm, when it comes to increased costs, I'm much more concerned about the currency exchange rates and the strength of the dollar versus the strength of the pound versus the strength of the euro, et cetera, than I am how uh, going from 75 CL to 70 CL, how how our wallets will be affected by that. I I think currency exchange rate is something we should be much more concerned about.
0: Perfect, gives us a place to focus our eyes. If you want to drop us an email, you've got a story you think we should cover. You can email us at questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. No E in whiskey. You can find us on Facebook. We are One Nation Under Whiskey. We have a page. We'd love you to be a part of it. Please go drop your comments there. Joshua, thanks to you for bringing us the article. Thanks to Wayne Curtis for taking the time Mm -hmm. to write it and post it on the internet. You are the whiskey cherub. I am the Whiskey Wizard, you out there are our dear listeners, and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Extra Extra, It's All About Whiskey. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.